Good afternoon, my friends. Welcome back to another episode of Three Off with Dr. G on this great Wednesday. My name is Dr. Mark Gomez. I'm a board-certified internal medicine physician practicing out of Edward Hospital in Nicaragua, Illinois. I'm also a member of the American College of Lifestyle Medicine. I'm so excited to have you guys here today on another episode of To Your Health with Dr. G. We're doing this afternoon thing. And by the way, we are still social distancing. For those of you that have been following us this week, we've been really pushing a lot of stuff here. The reality is this, buried in all this COVID-19 pandemic, by the way, hashtag social distancing expert, but buried in all this COVID-19 epidemic, uh, pandemic, we're forgetting about some of the other pressing health concerns, and today's no different. At the end of the day, I want to make sure that you have everything that you need to be successful with your health, and health still is important. If it affects human lives and it affects our health, then we have to talk about it. Today, we're doing a great show on testicular cancer. This month of April is actually National Testicular Cancer Awareness Month, so I'm so happy to break down this topic for you today, again, making sure that we have all that you need to serve your health needs and make sure you and your family have active and healthy lives. And the reality is this, now, we're going to talk about testicular cancer today, and I'm joined by my great friend and expert colleague, Dr. Kyle Kirilluk. Um, hopefully, we'll have Dr. Shannon Zine uh, join us in soon on the Zoom, but I want to really break this down for you. The National Testicular Cancer Awareness Month, and it's been buried in those, in those headlines, but we're going to talk about it because we need it. If it affects human health, we want to talk about it some more. So I'm so excited to have you guys back here today. Um, what we're going to do today is continue this Zoom. And again, the health journey, the health, the health evolution, the revolution, we'll call it, still continues and making sure that you have all you need to continue to be successful with everything while we are social distancing. I'll say this, um, we are all at, you know, we're all social distancing now, but it's important to continue to keep this conversation going strong. Again, my name is Dr. Mark Gomez. Check me out on my website, www.drmarkgomez.com, and we're going to keep this journey going. I'm going to introduce you to my colleague in just a moment, but I want to hit you with a quick disclaimer. Here we go. The content of To Your Health with Dr. G is for informational and entertainment purposes only, and that the content is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, and or treatment. Further details can be found at www.toyourhealthwithdrg.com slash disclaimer. So we're here today on this great Wednesday at a special time, 4 p.m. Central Standard Time, about to break down testicular cancer. And I want people to know this. Testicular cancer or any kind of cancer is something that we take very seriously. We want to make sure that we have the right approaches, the right diagnosis, the right treatment strategies, and it's a conversation that needs to keep ha happening. So I want you at home to use that hashtag, hashtag cancer sucks, because it does, but we want to make sure that we have the opportunity out there for people to do well with everything that affects their health and their lifestyle. So joining me today, I want to introduce my guest. He's been on To Your Health with Dr. G before. My um, guest, Dr. Kyle Kiriluk. I want to read his credentials because credentials are fierce. Dr. Kyle Kiriluk is a is a Dr. Kyle Kiriluk is a board certified urologist with Euro Partners. Check him out www.europartners.com. Dr. Kiriluk, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. It's uh, it's great to be on again. Hey, I'm so excited that, that everything worked out, and I, I certainly thank you uh, for helping to continue this revolution going on. Uh, for those of you that have seen Dr. Dr. Kirlik on before, he's been on our show before. He was on our show late last year, and his wife, um, 
who's also Dr. Kierluck. She's been on our show a couple of times. So I was joking around with Dr. Kierluck. I go, hey, I got to balance out the family uh, favoritism kind of thing and making sure we have balance on everything. But I think that both Dr. Kierluck and his wife uh, are really helping support my wife and I on this mission. So thank you, Dr. Kierluck, for joining in. Dr. Kierluck, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background? Just give us a little bit. Where did you go to medical school? Where did you do your residency? And maybe a few opening remarks from your end about this, this title of testicular cancer. Absolutely. So uh, I completed medical school at Rush University in Chicago and uh, stayed in the Chicago area for residency and, and completed my residency at University of Chicago um, back in, uh, boy, I guess that, that's uh, been a while, 2013 now. So um, testicular cancer is, uh, is something that is really important because early detection and, uh, and diagnosis really results in, in a high success rate for cure. And unfortunately, men in general um, have a tendency of trying to put things off and, uh, and without awareness, uh, more, than, more than a couple times I've had men come to the office saying, yeah, you know, it's been here for a few months, it's been here for five months, six months, and it, and it makes it a lot harder to, uh, to, to go about and get them back on the right path. So uh, just, just the knowledge of this is what it is, this is how to go forward is, is helpful. Wonderful. Well, thanks, Dr. Dr. Kierluck. We may have Dr. Azim. Uh, Dr. Azim, are you still, are you still, are you there? Okay. Well, if Dr. Azim uh, joins us in in a few moments, uh, Dr. Azim is our other guest today. He's a board-certified uh, hematologist oncologist with Edward Elmer's Health. Uh, if we get him in, we'll get him in and everything, but we'll keep this conversation going on. So, uh, so Dr. Kirilov, you know, it's interesting. When we think about this month, again, we're buried in a lot of COVID information, uh, or we're, we're inundated with a lot of COVID information, but some of these other health topics are, are, are buried. You know, the thing that I think about is that I don't want people to be putting off other things that may be going on. Uh, sometimes, you know, in this age of social distancing, people may not want to go to their doctor. They might feel something. They might feel a lump, certain, for example, with testicular cancer, and that may delay treatment. How we, how we still want, you know, what's your take on just still having people make sure that they still do diagnostics on, their, on themselves, almost like when you go to the car dealer and you want to make sure that you're still doing good. What's your take on that? Well, you know, I think most medical practices um, have, have adapted to allow for social distancing in general. I know we were talking about this before the show started and, uh, and, and really, you know, we're, we're making sure that we can get people in, in a, in an environment that's safe where, um, it's not a packed waiting room full of patients. Uh, but, but, you know, if there's a concern, it's, it's, it's imperative that patients do seek treatment and, um, and, and at the very least talk to their doctor uh, a lot of the times we can get diagnostic testing, imaging, you know, have the orders done over the phone through telehealth um, where, where you're not even in the office, but, but having testing done that, uh, that helps to, to figure out the diagnosis. Wonderful. Well, you know, when people come into our office, we call that the chief complaint. And so as we're here today talking about testicular cancer, really giving them, I want to give people an update. And I really want to tell this to people, you know, it's not just men that, that, are, that, that will benefit from what we're talking about today, but also 
uh, women, the, 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 the wives that are married to these men, the mothers that have uh, teenage boys at home, you know, everybody can benefit from learning more about health. The more we learn, the more we know, the better we are and the more apt we are to make decisions. Again, we want to make sure that we're continuing to provide opportunity for people out there. So the chief complaint, of course, when people come into our office, Dr. Kira look, and they come for a particular uh, a reason. So the chief complaint today, aka the question of the hour is this, research and clinical interest continue to evolve in efforts to better understand this diagnosis. So what are the latest updates about the causes, prevention, and treatment of testicular cancer? So, uh, so let's get right into it. Dr. Carlo, why don't you tell us, are there a few just kind of baseline statistics out there that you're aware of on, on the incidence of testicular cancer in men and boys, of course? Yeah, sure, absolutely. It's, uh, it's not a very common cancer. Uh, in the United States, just under 10,000, it's about uh, 9,500 uh, newly cases, uh, new cases diagnosed every year. And um, thankfully, not a lot of deaths from it, only, only just over about 400 deaths a year uh, from, from patients that, that have testicular cancer. So the overall incidence and, and risk of death is low. Uh, but again, it's an important thing to, to have knowledge of because with earlier detection, uh, we'd have even, even higher cure rates and, and potentially have minimal people dying from this disease. Well, you know, it's actually, I think about when, when we think about obviously cancer and then we think about a lot of traditionally, you know, prostate cancer, lung cancer, colon cancer. And I feel like this conversation has, uh, testicular cancer has kind of fallen down because as you mentioned, it's not as common as certainly other cancers, but, but it's, still, uh, it's still a diagnosis that can affect, uh, affect people. And, and so we always want to talk about, at least me as a primary care doc, I always say, listen, I want to make sure that you're covered head to toe. So I, I don't know, I, I can't speak on behalf of all my colleagues, but but I actually still perform uh, testicular exams when I see people in my practice for the general physical. Uh, so, so Dr. Carroll, let me ask you this. Are we still recommending testicular exams? So, you know, it's something that I think um, in general, I think it's an important thing. Um, and, and even, uh, even at home self-examination is something that, that, that should be done and it's easy. And, and usually I'd say in the shower, you know, once a month, you know, periodically, when you think about it, feel down there. And that, that's the, the most common reason that someone comes into my office. It's not, not necessarily that another uh, physician has felt something abnormal, but the patient themselves uh, feels a lump, feels something that's concerning, and that's what's bringing them in. Um, and, and so without patients uh, doing that and being aware of their own bodies, uh, that, you know, they wouldn't, they wouldn't be coming into the office. So I think um, it's, it's important that in general, uh, patients perform that type of exam. And, and part of it is when you see a doctor on an annual visit, um, we may be lucky to pick something up, but testicular cancer can also be a, a pretty fast growing cancer. And, and a lot of times patients will notice a difference over a course of, you know, a couple of weeks even in, in aggressive cases. So it's, uh, early, again, early detection and, um, and, and coming in is important. So I think when I think about just cancer in general, I always think like going back to our days of just physiology and everything. So, so uh, for those of you that are out there listening to us, you know, I think of what, what do the testicles do? Number, number one, I, I say testicles have two main functions. Number one, make those hormones, they're called androgens, uh, the, the male hormone that really defines a lot of sec, what we call secondary sexual characteristics that give us facial hair and, and our deepening of the voice and things like that. But number two, which is important to know is that your testicles make sperm and they're made in these thread-like 
like thread-like tubules called uh, seminiferous tubules. They're, they're very thread-like. Um, and so it's always important when you think about cancer, it's always important to think about what's the normal physiology and then what may happen when physiology goes wrong. Uh, so when we think about in cancer in general, I always think about uh, uh, two things. I mean, obviously, we're, we're, we're really exploring a lot of genetics and from what I understand, there are some, maybe some looking, and we'll get into this a little bit, maybe where this is going to go down the line in the future. But, but knowing that, that, that even though we don't know the exact cause of testicular cancer, there's so much research going into it. And when I think about genetics, I think about your genes and, and I think about your DNA. And you hear some of these words, chromosomes, going back to your like old school, high school biology and things. But there are some genes that are called oncogenes and oncogenes they turn on a cell to divide or multiply or grow in a, in a, in a different way. Then you have what are called tumor suppressor genes that turn off something that may be getting out of control and force it to die. And so when we're looking at some of these, uh, some of the pathophysiology that may be happening, we may be seeing this imbalance where, where certain genes uh, are turned on or our genes that normally would suppress something are turned off. And so it's very exciting to see where some of the research is going to really help save lives in anybody with, with, with cancer and specifically testicular cancer. So Dr. Kirillik, let me ask you this. Uh, when we think about just, you know, I think about just the people that come into your office with this diagnosis are suspected. Can you lead us through the process? Is there a specific uh, a, a complaint or is it more found like on accident? Most of the time, it's a, uh, a specific complaint where I, I'd say the majority of cases are um, men coming in who physically feel a lump uh, in the scrotum. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's within the testicle itself. There are a lot of men that come in and it's um, something that's not necessarily in the testicle that they're feeling. Um, but, but when there's a lump in the testicle, uh, it's usually a, a very hard feeling area, almost like a rock that's present. And um, so from that point, you know, exam tells us a lot, but we always will get imaging, which is an ultrasound of the scrotum. And an ultrasound uh, is a, uh, for the testicle, a very high definition test uh, that gives us a lot of information. Once we confirm that, yes, there is a mass or growth within the testicle, uh, the next step is always surgery, which is testicle removal. And um, biopsy of the testicle is not something that we would typically do. We worry about um, biopsy potentially um, spreading a cancer, uh, but with testicle removal uh, and the way the testicle is removed, it's actually removed through the inguinal canal, through the groin, uh, we, we don't worry about uh, a spread of cancer with that type of surgery. Uh, surgery then, um, with surgery, we take the testicle, any specimen we remove gets um, evaluated under a microscope by a pathologist who then tells us exactly what type of testicular cancer it is because there are uh, multiple different types of, of cancers that can occur within the testicle. And then that subsequently dictates um, the uh, the treatment protocols that uh, that we, we were going to follow. Well, thank you for breaking down that process. I think it helps streamline things and certainly helps other people understand what they may be getting uh -huh. into if they have um, um, if they have a relative or their spouse or potentially their child uh, going through this diagnosis. You know, it's interesting when I think about this. Uh, testicular cancer is one of the most common cancers, the most common cancer of young uh, of adolescents and young men, and so. 
when we're seeing those kind of people, you know, it's, it's something that may be hard to think about it, but I think that's why I said in the, in the beginning that for, for, for parents out there, you know, that have a teenage son, you know, you know Dr. Kerlick, what are we doing? Are, are we advising parents to make sure that they're checked by their, by their son is checked by their pediatrician? How are we starting like this conversation on a, on a, on a, on a youth level? It, you know, I mean, it's something that it should be, in, in my opinion, it should be part of the annual exam, annual wellness exam. And, um, you know, I, I remember just certainly back to my younger years and in, in high school and before, and they talk about just, you know, your basic um, sex education and, and, and health uh, classes. And it was certainly part of my education back then. And it should be something that uh, continues forward and, and that, you know, just... Um, knowing our own bodies, what, what is right, what's not right, and when to seek help um, is, is important at a, at a very young age. Well, thank you. So when I think about like the guys, and, and, and it's interesting, you know, again, we're talking about uh, those of you that are joining us, we're talking about testicular cancer. And again, it's, it's not as talked about as much, but again, we are in the middle of National uh, Testicular Cancer Awareness Month, and I, we should be having these kind of conversations. Uh, you, you know, when, when you're young, we think we're, we're th- we think we're, you know, superhuman, we're, we're, we're infallible. Uh, we can do whatever we can and not worry about getting help and getting sick. Uh, and for the overall majority of us, uh, certainly young men and, and adolescent boys, you know, that is the mentality. And usually that's pretty darn, pretty, it's pretty darn good. You don't do well. But, but when these patients come in with testicular cancer and say you're sitting there with somebody and testicular cancer, maybe it's, maybe it's a more aggressive type, or maybe it's more spread regionally or spread even further throughout the body. You know, how, do we, how do we counsel those people, those patients, uh, to know what their chances are? Because from what I read from everything is that testicular cancer is still one of the most curable cancers out there. It actually represents really success in cancer treatment to the point that I believe one year, uh, there was a urologist, and I forget his name, but I was reading, reading something in the paper, and he said something like, it doesn't matter at what point you present in the disease. You are it's kind of saying like there's, there's still likely a chance for a cure. What's your take on that? That's, that's pretty much true. Uh, you know, the overall cure rate is 97%. Um, there is a time in which you lose a window of opportunity. And it's, it's rare uh, for someone to present that late because they typically are having a lot of other symptoms that go along with advanced cancer. Um, so we don't, fortunately, we don't see that often, but there are some, some things like if someone comes in where the cancer is spread to their brain, um, you know, really, really advanced disease uh, that has uh, a poor prognostic indicators. But usually the conversation I have with patients is, you know, this is something that we have a very, very high chance of, of success with cure and, um, you know, moving forward, that's how we're gonna, that's how we're gonna view it and treat it. Uh, and, and that is by far and away the, the, the most common scenario. So Dr. Kierlick, I, w- I want you to clarify something uh, out there because maybe this, and we'll get into some myths versus facts in a little bit, but um, from some people that are out there, you know, I, I guess when it comes to making a diagnosis, is you know, somebody has a lump, you know, is, 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 is basically every approach to testicular cancer always gonna involve uh, a surgical approach, an orchiectomy, uh, are, are there times when you could kind of maybe just, you maybe you, you identify a mass on the ultrasound or exam and everything, uh, uh, but, but does, is, it, is pretty much everybody 
the, 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 the writing's written on the wall that you're going to have to have a testicle removed? Yeah, the, there would be very unusual circumstances where we would do uh, testicular sparing uh, type surgery. And, and that, those would be in cases where um, someone has lost a testicle already or has maybe um, only one functioning, truly functioning testicle. And in those situations, uh, a testicular sparing approach is, is considered. Um, the reality is that having one testicle, uh, if we look in general um, at fertility and uh, sexual function, one testicle, two testicles, uh, usually we have uh, the same overall results. There's some of the, the treatments of testicular cancer are kind of getting further into today's topic when we talk about chemotherapy, that can impede uh, function uh, to some degree. And it's important we take measures before we get into that for, for sperm banking. But um, if I look at my practice in general, I have, um, I actually have more testicles that are removed for something called testicular torsion, where the testicle twists within the scrotum and the blood supply is cut off. And we look at how patients do with losing a testicle in that situation. And they, they do very well long-term. And, and uh, most of those are in uh, you know, the pubescent stage and they come to full maturity and they function just fine. Um, so uh, we, we don't wanna risk a surgery where we leave cancer behind within the testicle. You know, that would be the concern. Yeah, that makes perfect sense uh, to me. And, and I think uh, one, one, of the, one of the options that are out there you know, you know let, let's face it, say somebody's young and they want to have a testicle removed and, you know, maybe they want to, you know, start dating, maybe they're single, they want to date, or maybe you're playing sports in the locker room with, with your, with your, with your co, uh, you know, your, your teammates, you know, it looks a little different, but interesting thing. And I did not know about this, Dr. Kerouac, is that there are scrotal prostheses Absolutely. that can be put there to, to mimic literally having a, having a, 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 a testicle. Tell us a little bit more about that. It, it's uh, so the the testicular testicular prostheses are are very simple to place. We place them at the time of uh, of testicle removal. Uh, it's something that patients who are younger, um, who you know, again are are you know in the middle of adolescence, are more likely to pursue that as an option. Um, patients who are older, you know, beyond, you know beyond. 20, 25 certainly uh, are are often not going to pursue that. I think it's a it's a great option to have for self confidence. But I counsel patients; it also has risks associated with it. It's a foreign body, and anytime we put in something artificial into the body, there can be consequences if there's an infection or or issue down the road. Uh, but it's a very simple device. You think about kind of a water balloon so to speak, um, that, uh, that has a, a, a very thick um, shell to it and, it, and it mimics the consistency and size of a natural testicle. Um, so a, a good option for those who want to pursue it. Well, thank you for helping to break that down. Well, let me go to the issue of fertility because that's something that's, that's talked about quite a bit and, and maybe one of the misconceptions that's out there is that say a gentleman does have this diagnosis, um, that gentleman will not be able to, if he wants to, be, if he wants to father children later on, uh, he may not be able to. Can you just kind of dispel that myth if you can uh, about fertility in uh, people that have had one testicle removed? 
Absolutely. Um, by far and away, uh, individuals that have a testicle removed are going to function absolutely normally. Um, they're going to have normal fertility, normal erections, normal testosterone. Uh, it, it's something that it is actually uncommon for me to see patients with fertility issues because they've had um, a, a testicle removed in the past. That being said, um, for patients that require treatment beyond testicle removal, if they require chemotherapy, uh, we do recommend sperm banking. And that's because sperm are very sensitive. And uh, if someone's receiving chemotherapy, uh, it may kill the, kill the sperm cells and make it harder for them to have children in the future. Um, so sperm banking uh, affords that, uh, that, that option for men who otherwise are having issues. And that's, that's true with chemotherapy for, for most causes, I believe. Um, but erect, erectile function and overall testosterone levels, uncommon for that to be affected um, with, with treatments uh, for testicular cancer. What about on the flip side, I'm going to go to the lower age, the lower end of the age spectrum. You know, say you have a, say you have a boy that uh, maybe have the diagnosis because again, we know this diagnosis can affect the, the young as well too, just certainly not super common or anything like that. But what about that child uh, that has testicular cancer at a young age? Maybe that child has not yet hit puberty. You know, what are we doing for future options? I mean, is, is there, are there techniques out there to, uh, to do anything with uh, potentially well, having being fertile? Well, the the um, that that's an excellent question, uh, and fortunately, one that I have not had to to broach yeah. <laughs> personally. Um, yeah. You can potentially, uh, you know, harvest um, harvest immature uh, immature cells from the testicle and and use them if needed, uh, just with um, normal fertility or normal progression of puberty, there is a chance that in general, uh, sperm will be able to be produced and, and they'll, children will be able to function uh, normally in general. Advanced fertility techniques um, are pretty amazing in that the, the remaining testicle, even if it's able to produce you know, one sperm, we can, we can do biopsies of a testicle and harvest one single sperm from a, a biopsy testicle and use that to fertilize, uh, fertilize an egg with uh, in, in vitro fertilization. So um, any, any function from that testicle, we can, we can usually figure that out and, and help with fertility. So it's not something that um, is, is a common issue for someone to have long-term fertility problems where, where we don't have some potential option to move forward. Wonderful. And thanks for clarifying that. And actually, as you mentioned earlier, that the fact that even if that were to happen, you know, as we're saying, maybe one testicles removed, uh, as you said, you know, fertility, erections, things like that, that would happen down the line uh, will still be preserved. So that's a great known, but it's great to know that there's other techniques that are out there. Let's talk a little bit about some other techniques that are out there, because when we think about obviously the treatment of testicular cancer, and neither you or, you or I are oncologists, of course, but we do know a lot of different therapies that are out there. So in addition to what you do as a surgeon to remove the testicle, send it off to pathology and do some more uh, staging thereafter, 
in conjunction with a medical oncologist, you know, there are options out there, uh, including radiation therapy, uh, uh, chemotherapy, and even some more advanced stuff where they're actually doing high-dose chemotherapy uh, uh, followed by, followed by um, stem cell uh, transplants. And, uh, and that latter one, it, it seems like it's kind of new age, but, but the idea, of course, is, is to get, um, before you go into a, a high-dose chemotherapy situation where it can really tax the body, you, you draw blood and you, and you take out the, you separate out the stem cells. And, uh, and essentially, that's done a few weeks prior to that time frame. And then the person will go through their treatment. And then very basically, once they're through their particular cycle as outlined by their medical oncologist, they will go through a, through a stem cell transplant um, and, and have those healthy cells that were taken out uh, before you got with all that therapy to be put back in and now try to help salvage cells and everything. But, it, but I think it's fascinating how, how some of these techniques have really evolved uh, for this diagnosis. But, but on the flip side, as we said earlier, you know, a lot of times these, these conditions don't necessarily progress to that super need to have high dose therapies. What's your take on that? Well, absolutely. Uh, and in fact, the majority of people that I see um, because of early detection uh, really don't need additional therapy at all. Uh, I have a large percentage of patients who we follow with what's called active surveillance, where they have a low risk for recurrence and uh, we get imaging tests to, to evaluate for uh, recurrence and we do blood tests that are um, checking special labs that testicular cancer may create chemicals in the blood that we can pick up. And we find that men who are being followed uh, with active surveillance, uh, assuming they're the right candidate for it, um, if they're on active surveillance, uh, many men will never require any additional therapy. And for the men that do um, you know, have recurrences in the future, we find that the cure rate whether they have you know, treatment right away or treatment with initial recurrence, um, that the cure rate's gonna be the same. And, and so I do have uh, many patients who prefer to be on an active surveillance and then not risk um, any of the uh, you know, potential downsides of having chemotherapy, radiation, uh, depending on the type of cancer they have. Excellent. So let me ask you a question, Dr. Kirillux. I got a question that was, that was uh, chimed in from one of a, from a, a fan that's joining us today. And I like this question. Are there any known risk factors for testicular cancer or is it primarily a genetic predisposition? Uh, well, I mean, I, all cancers are a combination of genetics and environment um, and, and, you know, the interplay between the two. Uh, we certainly know that uh, something called cryptorchidism or undescended testis uh, is a risk factor for development of, uh, of testicular cancer. And you know, part of a, a wellness exam for infants is to make sure that the testicles have, have descended into the scrotum. Um, in, in, uh, in utero, in the fetus, the testicles are up higher in the abdomen and they migrate down through the groin into the scrotum. And, and sometimes that doesn't happen right away. And if it doesn't happen at all, that, that testicle will be at a higher risk for cancer development in the future. Uh, and it's important that, again, you know, general health, general well-being, that the kids are being evaluated by their pediatricians. Uh, if a testicle doesn't descend uh, appropriately and we fix it in time, it, uh, it, it essentially eliminates the risk of cancer developing in the future. If someone comes in late, if they're, um, you know, after a couple of years, if they're coming in with a, a testicle that hasn't descended, we still recommend 
surgery to fix it. Um, and, and that's because it'll allow us to detect the cancer should it occur, detect it a lot easier. Wonderful. I, I also think about, you know, to, my response to the question, you know, when you think about family history, um, yeah, I would say if you have a, and hopefully I'm not wrong, but I would say that uh, as a primary care physician, if somebody has like a father or brother, there may be some certainly, maybe an increase, but I believe the majority of men that present with testicular cancer do not have a family history. Do you know if there's any truth to that? That, that is true. We, we say that it's a risk factor, you know, family history of testicular cancer, personal history of testicular cancer, that those are, um, that those are um, you know, things that we pay attention to. Uh, but that being said, I can't think of a patient off the top of my head who said, oh yeah, my dad had testicular cancer, my grandpa had testicular cancer, and they have it. It's, it's not like other cancers like prostate cancer where there are very clear uh, genetic links and, and, and very high risks because of a family history. Thank you for the clarification. You know, there's a couple of things that I, I want to pick your brain when we're going through risk factors uh, briefly, but, um, you know, when you think about some of the, just the general demographics, uh, I, I haven't seen anything that was related to one of the things that we think about just generally speaking, um, modifiable versus non-modifiable risks that are out there. I haven't seen anything as far as uh, you, you know, your obesity or body size, you know, we know obesity is linked to a lot of different cancers on, on the flip side, things that you can't change. So obviously people that are of, you know, uh, European descent certainly have a higher risk than people that are of African or Asian descent. Uh, but have you seen anything in links with like obesity or cigarette use or some of those you know, kind of modifiable things? It, you know, there, there, there's nothing that, uh, that I've come across for that. And I, and I, would think that it's probably because you know it happens at such a young age in general uh, yeah. that the things that we do to damage our bodies, the bad behaviors that we have, um, haven't had enough time to really create genetic abnormalities yeah, when when someone's in their twenties, you know. So wonderful. So that totally helps breaking this down. So let, let me change topics a little bit because you know we're, I want I want to get into a little bit of survivorship. Uh, and then a little bit about, you know, what we need to do to continue this roll call going on. Let's talk about a little bit of survivorship. You know, one of the best things when somebody uh, uh, beats cancer, and as we know, the testicular cancer, the overwhelming majority, 97% uh, of individuals beat this thing uh, at, at five years, essentially. And, and so we get into the survivorship. And, and really, this is a time for, for people that are suffering from cancer to make sure that they have the right the right treatment strategy. It's important to follow up with your, with, your, with your physicians. I know from a primary care standpoint, that's when people come in and see me. We're making sure that they're still staying physically active, still eating a well-balanced diet, still controlling some of the lifestyle things. But I always say it's important to have, have your follow-up with your specialists. Uh, you know, generally speaking, Dr. Kirillov, what kind of a follow-up are they having with their specialists with this diagnosis? Because they're going to see, obviously they're going to see me in primary care for their physical and maybe a few other things, but what, what kind of follow-up are they having with their specialists for this diagnosis? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it depends on, you know, exactly what, um, what, what type of cancer they had and, and how aggressive it was at the time of diagnosis. But on average, it's uh, for someone on active surveillance, they're having um, labs and exam every three to six months for a couple of years, imaging usually every six months for a couple of years. After two years from diagnosis, we start spacing it out to every six months. And then it becomes part of an annual uh, physical up until uh, five years in time, after which I'll, I'll usually 
tell patients that, you know, I'm happy to see them once a year if they want, <laughs> or if they want to have just routine follow-up with their primary doctor, um, that, that's also reasonable too. I think blood work um, is always an easy, inexpensive test. And if someone wants to have that done for life, uh, a lot of times it just provides reassurance that things are good. And, um, you know, it's an, it's an easy way to, to monitor things for patients long-term without any risk to, uh, to, to that type of test. Wonderful. Let's get to a little bit of some, uh, some of the, this awareness again, you know, sometimes it takes, it takes uh, a celebrity with a diagnosis to then get some more things about, get some more, uh, uh, just get the momentum, the, the, the engine rolling a bit to learn more about the, the diagnosis itself. So I think of a couple famous Americans that are out there, of course, probably the most famous American with testicular kids with a history, Lance Armstrong, former Tour de France winner, but also, uh, as I found this out, and it, you know, it's on Wikipedia, so I guess it's true, right, Dr. Gearluck? Yeah. You know, it, it depends, yeah. I guess it is. But I uh, did not know that uh, former um, Olympic figure skating champion Scott Hamilton and actually, so I, I vetted that. I looked it up. But both of them have, have been doing amazing outreach in the community to create more awareness for this time. But, but why is it always like some of these other kind of cancers that don't maybe get the, the, the fundraising as, as other cancers? And maybe it's just because the, the, the numbers are low as who gets it annually. But, but, but why does it always seem like it takes to like have a celebrity get something before all of a sudden people are like, oh, my gosh, I have awareness now? I, I guess that's the way that society works, unfortunately, right? It's, uh, you know, the power of the press and uh, who, has the, who has the microphone at the time. So, um, you know, it, is, it would be nice if we could uh, have, you know, more awareness in general for, for our health and, and the, the things that can affect us without needing um, celebrity endorsement, so to speak. Yeah. Well, this is why hopefully again, this month as, uh, as we know of testicular cancer awareness month that we get these messages out there, hashtag check your balls. Let's get into some, that's a nice transition by the way, into a uh, uh, miss versus facts. So each week on this show, uh, we do something called miss versus facts. It's all about setting the record straight again, building trust and delivering truth. There's a lot of misinformation out there. So I'm going to, I'm going to jump in on this, uh, as well. I'm mainly going to give all the hard ones to Dr. Kirilluk and I'm going to take all the easy ones, uh, <laughs> But, uh, but we're going to have fun. But again, it's all about setting the record straight. When it comes to your health and decisions that you make, I want you to make them with the right, make them truthfully. I want you to abide by information provided by, uh, by the right practitioners that are experts in their field and making sure that you have all, need, all the tools needed to be successful. So here we go, Miss versus facts, testicular cancer. Here we go. Here's the statement. I'll say the statement. And then Dr. Kirillick, you'll say myth or fact, and you'll tell me why. And we'll kind of keep this going. I'll jump in every now and then. Here we go. Uh, here we go. Statement. Testicular cancer is always deadly, myth or fact? That's absolutely a myth, as we, as we talked about before. All right, excellent. I agree with you. That's a myth. The survival rate is very high um, on testicular cancer. And almost at any kind of presentation of the disease, uh, uh, you're going to have a very, very, very high chance of having a great five-year survival. Testicular cancer is one of the most curable cancers out there. It's been a really successful. Here we go. Next statement, uh, Dr. Kirilluk. There is no, sorry, I got to say it right. There is currently no screening tests to detect testicular cancer, myth or fact? By the, by the definition of a screening test, um, that, that is true. You know, screening tests are tests we use across the population to um, identify a disease uh, before someone has a symptom. And, and so we don't recommend routine ultrasounds or routine lab work to look for uh, cancer in an otherwise healthy 
individual, which is why we rely on physical exam findings and, and you know, uh, the importance of someone doing self exams or having a, a physician do an exam. Wonderful. Here we go. I like this one. This one's for you. Uh, injure, injuring your testicles increases your risk of testicular cancer. No, that's, that, 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 that's a myth. So the whole uh, riding a horse repetitively, horseback riding, uh, riding on your bicycle for doing all stuff, that's all myth? That, that's a myth. All right. Thank you for the clarification. Yeah, that's one of like the biggest ones out there that, that, that I even get some questions that are asked and, and when I do some of these exams and, you know, people just kind of shoot the stuff and say, hey, can you get this from, from this? I'm like, no, but I'm glad yeah. I checked with you because I don't want to have egg on my face when I see yeah. my pages. Here we go. Here's the next thing. Uh, here's a statement. Surgery for testicular cancer can cause it to spread to other parts of the body, myth or fact. And, and that's a myth and that kind of talks about what we mentioned before about why we do surgery and the way we do it. Um, and that's to, you know, uh, in a controlled way to prevent spread from happening. So not, not something that we worry about. Wonderful. Here we go. I'll take this one. I'm giving us, this is an easy one. I got this one. You'll, you'll like this one. Here we go. People only get testicular cancer if there is a family history of the disease. That is a myth. We just talked about it. That uh, most, the overall majority of men that present with testicular cancer have no family history. Although if there is a family history of your father or your brother, for example, certainly there's, we want to learn more about that. But again, the overall majority of people that present with testicular cancer do not have a family history. Here we go. Dr. Kira, look, I like this statement. Here we go infertility can not only be an issue in men with testicular cancer, but also later in life for boys that have had testicular cancer, myth or fact? It, it can be an issue. Um, so that, that, that is true uh, that it can be. Uh, but again, ways that we uh, can manage it. And, and typically speaking, it is not an issue. Wonderful. Here we go. Uh, I think I think I'll give you this one. Here you go. This is a good one. <laughs> Having a cell phone in your pocket increases your risk of testicular cancer. Myth or fact, Dr. Kirla? That would be a myth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's see this. Five uh, uh, G will, will will not will not do that. Uh, and it's interesting. You know, it's interesting. There, I was breaking it down on the on a on recent uh, COVID uh, my recent COVID show that that five G in and of itself uh, does not transmit COVID and that's some, somebody's going around with that. But the reality is that, is that the energy from, from your cell phone energy, even from 5G is not strong enough to denature cells and break things down. So it's actually even weaker in the electromagnetic spectrum than visible light. So there yeah. we go. Absolutely. Here we go. I like this one. Dr. Kira, like, here we go. Here's a statement. We'll do a couple more of these. This is fun. Testicular cancer only affects younger men, myth or fact. Well, that's, that's false. Uh, it, it tends to, or it, it's the, um, it's more common in younger men and it, it's the most common um, solid tumor in, in men, you know, from 20 to 35. Uh, but absolutely, I've had patients 50s, 60s, 70s uh, who've uh, been found to have testicular cancer. So it can affect men of all ages. Wonderful. Thank you for breaking that down. I'll take this one. We'll do a couple more of these. Uh, here we go. Uh, this is more of a broad statement, but clinical trials are for patients at any stage in their diagnosis of cancer. And I will say that's a fact. Uh, we want people out there, if, if, if you're working with your oncologist and you have that diagnosis of cancer, there may be therapies that are out there for you. Of course, only your medical oncologist will know all the studies that are out there, all the therapies, but sometimes that may involve a clinical trial. The great thing is, as Dr. Kierlich mentioned earlier, with testicular cancer, uh, a lot of times we're not going down those pathways of 
of high dose chemotherapy and things like that in those patients because uh, uh, they're really, uh, really addressed much earlier along the process. All right, here's a statement, a couple more. Dr. Kiriluk, here we go. Um, Losing one testicle usually has no effect on a man's ability to get an erection and have sex. Myth or fact? That is a fact. Please explain. Uh, the other testicle has, uh, you know, makes testosterone and uh, makes sperm. And, you know, even in, in someone who has chemotherapy, the cells that make testosterone are, are, are very robust and, and tend not to be impacted by chemotherapy um, to a great degree. Uh, we, we monitor testosterone in, in some cases, uh, but not something that is a usual thing to, to worry about. Wonderful. And I'll take this last one. Here's a statement. Again, I got all the easy ones, uh, Dr. Kira. Look, there you go. Uh, <laughs> no matter how extensive the diagnosis at, the, sorry, no matter how extensive the disease at diagnosis, the possibility of testicular cancer cure exists. That's an absolute fact. We've talked about it, that these individuals, once they get that diagnosis, if they were to get the diagnosis, they have a very, very high cure rate. So uh, that is an absolute fact. So we got about five minutes left and we've been, well, it's like, wow, the time is going by fast. Uh, but we got about five minutes left here this broadcast of an update on testicular cancer, hashtag cancer sucks. And so I said in the beginning, when somebody comes into your office, we call that the chief complaint. But when somebody leaves your office, we call that the assessment and plan. So uh, I want to ask Dr. Kirillik to help break it down. And, and so I'll ask him this. And by the way, the assessment and plan, for those of you who don't know, is when your physician tells you your diagnosis, they give you a treatment plan, and most importantly, schedule a follow-up. There you go. So Dr. Dr. Kirillik, take us on home. Give us a couple take-home points that are out there that you would say, uh, as we're in this middle of this month of April of Testicular Cancer Awareness Month, what, what should people take away from not only what we're talking about today, but also the opportunity that may be ahead in lowering this risk of, of testicular cancer? Well, you know, I, I think the most important thing that, the most important message I'd want to get across is that um, if you have a concern, if you feel something or you're worried about something, get in and see your doctor. Uh, by far and away, the majority of times when someone comes in, it's actually not cancer. It's, it's something else that they're feeling. Uh, but early detection leads to early treatment, leads to cure uh, for, for by far and away most individuals. So um, we certainly don't want people waiting on it and waiting months and just thinking, if I wait, it'll get better. If you're worried, it doesn't, it doesn't take much to come in and be seen. Wonderful. Thank you, Dr. Dr. Kierlick, for that one. Uh, my final words are this. You know, we have to think about the opportunity that's in front of us. And, and cancer is certainly something that affects many of us. The fortunate thing is that this particular cancer is something that's not as common out there as the other cancers that we've become more accustomed with. But the opportunity is still there. If anything that affects human life and your health, the most important thing is to talk with your physician. If you have concerns about testicular cancer, if you have testicular cancer or had a history of it, uh, please talk to your doctor. Also talk to your urologist, talk to your oncologist. At the end of the day, we want you to have all the tools needed to be successful with your health and to help continue to beat cancer. And again, if you have testicular cancer, the chances are that you've beat it, you beat it, but remember the opportunity is there for the taking. So I want to thank my guests today, Dr. Kyle Kierluck. Let me read his credentials again. Kyle, it's been a great time catching up with you. Dr. Kyle Kierluck, board certified urologist with Europartners. You can check him out at www.europartners.com. 
Hey, you've been listening and watching live on Facebook. This episode is written by Mark D. Gomez, MD, and Tiffany E.R. Gomez. Producer is Tiffany E.R. Gomez. Music is by the wonderful Mr. Havis. Copyright 2020 by MDG Wellness, LLC. Uh, stay tuned for my next episode. episode. Next week, we're going to be back here live. Bridging the Communication Gap, Speech and Language Pathology. For all you guys, stay well. Again, check me out at my website, www.drmarkthomas.com. Dr. Kirillup, I'll catch you later. Peace out.